Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. It's the little intro to what we're going to start on for the next six weeks. The kingdom. Well, here's a couple things to think about. Movies. Great transition. Think about the production of a movie, the, the making of a movie. Now, most people, I got this from my son. And, and, and so when you think about the making of a movie, sometimes, like if I were thinking about making a movie, I would think you shoot everything in order, just like in sequence. As it happens in a movie, you shoot it. Not the way it happens. In fact, they, they shoot by location oftentimes. So if they're going to shoot Morocco for five different scenes, one in the beginning of the movie, one in the middle of the movie, you know, whatever, they're broken up, they're going to shoot them all five at once. And so the, the actor and actresses, they, they'll see the movie when it's done, and they will see it all together and go, whoa, that's what it looks like. Well, it's sort of what we're going to look at with the kingdom. See, we're never going to really know exactly what it looks like until the end. We're going to see parts of the kingdom, we're going to experience parts of the kingdom, but we're never going to really see the full picture until the end. Okay, how many of you have ever traveled with children? (laughs) There's an incredible phrase that they know really, really well when you're on a trip with children. (laughs) <laughs> are we there yet? And the answer to that is always no. Like while they're asking the question, we're never there. When they stop asking the question, we get there. It's sort of like watching water boil, right? But, but that's sort of what we're talking about with the kingdom. We're, we're talking about the kingdom. The questions kept being asked of Jesus. They asked questions about the kingdom constantly. And the questions were always answered with, yes, but not like you think. Yes, sort of. But it was never the picture or the answer that they were looking for. They, they always got a different answer than they were asking the question for. It didn't matter who it was. The Pharisees, the disciples, didn't matter. Every one of them asked questions about the kingdom, and they never got the answer they were expecting. And we're going to look at one of those today. We're going to look at one of those times where a question was asked. And in fact, in this case, the question is asked by the Pharisees. And Jesus answers the question. And then he turns and speaks to his disciples, which is sort of a, a normal picture for Jesus. But as they asked the question, they didn't get the answer they wanted. As Jesus walked in the earth... He communicated that the kingdom of God was at hand. The problem was the people didn't understand what he meant. See, in fact, they had an idea that looked different than what Jesus' idea of the kingdom being at hand was. Their idea never matched Jesus' idea. In this case, the Pharisees asked this question, and here it is in Luke chapter 17, verse 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? 
And this was a popular question of the day. This was a popular question for the people in the first century. It was, a, it was a popular question for years for the Jewish people. In fact, it was a popular question for the Jewish people ever since they had been under the rule of foreign governments. They longed for the day that they would finally rule themselves. And they knew from their history, they knew that there was this promise, this promised Messiah was coming. This Messiah was going to come, and he was going to rule, and he was going to reign. And finally, when the Messiah came... They would no longer suffer under foreign rule. They would rule themselves and their Messiah would rule their kingdom and everything would be perfect. So the Pharisees asked the question, when will the kingdom of God come? Similar to the question that John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus. Earlier on, John was in prison, and, and he sends his disciples in Luke 7.20. It says, John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? See, John has this problem. John's in prison. John's thinking, Jesus is the Messiah, but if Jesus is the Messiah, what am I doing in prison? Because if I'm in prison, he's not ruling and reigning. If he's ruling and reigning, he's going to be out, get me out of prison. That would be a wonderful place. Because even for John, the picture of the kingdom that Jesus is showing does not look like the picture they thought they were going to see. The, the Messiah that they had been longing for, that they think that Jesus is him, but he's not doing it the way they thought it was going to be done. And so they ask questions constantly. Are you really the Messiah that we've been looking for? Are you really the Messiah that, that said that he was coming and you were going to take over and rule? See, that's the question they're asking. And Jesus responds to the Pharisees with the, the question when they asked it, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus' response at the end of verse 20, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. And so Jesus answers that. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, there is no way to detect the kingdom by supernatural stuff. Now, this is weird because Jesus does some supernatural things, right? I mean, he, he heals people. The, the blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. I mean, people that are, that are demon-possessed are set free. I mean, they're experiencing all kinds of things. And yet Jesus says, you, you, you can't see it through visible signs. Because Jesus expects them to see it in him. They expect, he expects it. They should see the kingdom of God in the life of Jesus. They should recognize it in him. And it's already among them. He's, he's there in operation, but they can't see it. The Pharisees in this passage express a common misunderstanding about the kingdom of God that many people held at the time. They, they believed that when the Messiah arrived, he would physically reign on the earth. Jesus corrects them. His earthly ministry is the beginning of the end, not the end. The ultimate fulfillment will be experienced when Jesus comes again. So, so Jesus became human in order to usher in the kingdom of God. The reason Jesus came to earth was to restore relationship between God and man. He came to, to make right what had been broken. He, he wanted to be able to bring people back to the relationship 
that they once enjoyed with God, and he does that. But once Jesus answers the Pharisees, he turns his attention to the disciples. And I want you to recognize something, and Jesus does this often, is he speaks with people who are not followers one way and speaks to those who are followers another way. He, he uses different terminology, he uses different language, he hides things from the people who are not followers, and he reveals things to the followers. So Luke 17, verse 22, that he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there is the Son of Man, or, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. That Jesus is introducing, once again, he's introducing to the people this whole idea that their thought about the kingdom is not going to happen. In fact, he introduces to them that, that, that the Son of Man is going to suffer and be rejected by this generation. He, he's, he's helping them once again hear the thought that he's going to go to a cross. He's, he's going to experience something that they don't see fitting in their paradigm. And he goes on and says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings. Right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, Jewish literature often referred to Noah's generation as a picture of evil. Okay, but none of the activities that Jesus lists here are evil. I mean, there's nothing wrong with banquets and parties and weddings. Nothing wrong with those. The problem was the people were ignoring the most important issue. It goes on in verse 28, and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building. Again, nothing wrong with those activities. Until the morning Lot left Sodom, then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down to the house to pack. Now, just stop there for just a moment, just to think, okay, remember, that makes no sense to us, right? I mean, none of us are on the roof of our houses. I hope. Especially now, it's a little icy, right? But, but okay, Mediterranean, you know, Middle Eastern home, flat roof, and often had this, this staircase that went down the outside, and that staircase wouldn't necessarily even go into the courtyard. It sometimes went to the outside, and it would go, but there was a way to get through the house and out the front door and leave, but... He's saying it will be such a hurry that you should not go through the house. You should go out the outside. You go down the outside. person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. Jesus replied, Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. The disciples question where, when, those ideas continues to get asked today. 
we, we hear it all the time. When will this happen? Where, where is this going to happen? What's going to go on? What, what is going on? And when we take, there's two mistakes that we can make here. There's two mistakes when, when we start to get into this world. The first mistake is to spend all of our time trying to figure out the timeline and the schedule. Okay, some go as far as to try and put dates and times to it, right? It happens all the time. We, we, we see it uh, when Jesus is coming back, right? People write books about this stuff to try and nail down. He's coming back on this day at this time. Look, when anybody ever tells you that, just turn away and walk. You can quit listening. You have my permission. Just quit listening. No one knows the day or the hour. We, we know that Jesus said in Mark 13, 32, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay away. The second mistake is spending no time understanding what is going to happen at the end. Okay, there's two extremes here. And one is spending all of our time trying to think that out, figure that out and going too far. And the other is spending no time trying to figure any of it out. We, we do need to understand what's going to happen at the end. The Bible talks about it. The Bible teaches it. That we need to, but, but we also need to remember Jesus' words in Mark 13. The reason we need to understand any of that is to be on guard and stay alert. Look, there's nothing wrong with doing a study on the book of Revelation. People love doing the study on the book of Revelation. People who are not followers of Jesus read it just for the apocalyptic nature of the book. They, they like to see and read all that. I mean, you know, you have to understand that when you read it, you, there's some incredible pictures that you see, and you're like, wow, that's crazy. I don't want to see any of that. I don't want to go through some of that stuff. No, I don't want to no part of it. I, I just don't want to be there. And so when you think about it, they're trying to discover all that's going to happen. Look, we could do a survey in this room of all the people for as long as you've been following Jesus who have been listed as the next person who's the option for the Antichrist, right? Like, they were all wrong. People are going to keep being wrong. It's fine. We don't need to spend our time there. But where history is headed is a, a fascinating topic. It doesn't take long to see how interested people are in the future. Look, I'm interested in the future, right? We want to know what's going on in our lives. We want to know what's going to happen, right? We would like to have some ability to forecast for ourselves what's coming next. Right? If we knew certain things, we'd like to plan for those. People like to know what's coming. Jesus gives the disciples some idea, but he does not give them anything that can really give them pinpoint times or places or moments where it's going to happen. He says, look, observe these signs, pay attention to this kind of stuff, see this, and that's when it's going to be like that when it happens. Be on guard. Stay alert. Every text of Jesus calls us to keep watch, to remain faithful, to, to be faithful to, to him, to his calling, to his, the life he's called us to do. Indicate also to us, this passage as we read this, ought to make us sit and go, ooh, there are people that we know that if they don't know Jesus, they're going to go through some really hard things. See, as Jesus is 
telling the, 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 the disciples, and he's saying to them, look, two people will be asleep in the, in, the, in the bed. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. It wasn't uncommon that, that, that women of different beliefs would, would be at the mill grinding stuff together, grinding grain, and, and they'd be working together. And, and he's saying, look, there, there'll be two sitting there, and one will be a father, one will not, and one will go, and one won't. There ought to be part of that in us that raises us a, 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 a realization that there's 90,000 people in this city who need Jesus. That there are people in this city who, who do not know Christ. And we've got to do something about it. It, it, ought, to, it ought to remind us that we are accountable to God using our life for his glory. Jesus' intent here is to make clear that an end is coming, to kind of give a general outline. But again, his idea is to be alert. On guard. Now, I understand at some point this week, there may have been a basketball game. That could have been won on a missed call, but any KU fans can't see that well. Okay. They have vision problems at the moment. Their vision returned quickly after the eight steps to the basket. I, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. But Bill Self, after that game, said something that I think applies here. He said, we've never had a team so bad at defense. Okay, and if anything will we'll drive a coach crazy, it's a team that will let other teams shoot baskets without playing defense. Okay? Like part of basketball. Where, where's the basketball players in the room? Huh? Huh? Where are the basketball players? What's the responsibility for the defender? Where's the hand supposed to be? Up. And you definitely would like to have the hand in somebody's face. I mean, not like physically, like that's a foul. But, but to, to block and to see and, and ob obscure vision so they don't get a clear look at the basket. It drives coaches crazy, especially when like Bill Self. <laughs> that his team won't play defense. Because they're not alert. They're not on guard. They're not, they're not really anticipating what's going on. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, be on guard, stay alert. Because you're living in the midst of moments where you need to be. No, notice that Jesus' words reveal the way we should live our lives today. In one sense, the kingdom of God hasn't been re completely revealed yet. The kingdom of God is here. It's already come. It's already here. And yet it's not fully revealed. See, eventually God's going to restore everything that is broken. He will wipe away every tear. But yet, in another sense, the kingdom of God is, is here. And we're, we have so much to do now at this moment. The, the, the follower of Jesus must live in this balance with the future and the present in mind. We, we've got to live life with knowing that the kingdom of God is here, but the kingdom of God has not yet fully come. That it's going to be fully experienced later on, but it's right here now. We live with 
some incredible moments of the kingdom at work in our lives. He's given us his Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing he's returning. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his power to live through our lives and to help us live our lives. But we still got to look forward to the future. Look, there's a balance that has to be achieved between having our eyes completely focused on the future and our eyes completely focused on the present. Look, let's, let's look at it this way. For everyone who gets money right now, from some form or fashion, job, retirement, whatever it is, but, but, but look, you have a couple options, two extreme options, neither of which is really good. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. But the first option is that everything you get, you spend. Everything. Don't think about the future at all. Trust God, he's going to provide. Don't do that. He's going to provide. But you should not just spend it. Like if you have retirement, just don't spend it all right now. If you are preparing for later, you probably shouldn't save it all right now. Because if you save it all right now, you have a different problem. If you spend nothing, I'm just telling you, it's cold outside. That a house you live in is warm. You don't want to do that either. Now, you'll have a great retirement if you live that long. If you didn't spend a dime. (laughs) But getting there could be difficult. So there's this balance here. where We're going to live life, even with our resources, we're going to live life with this balance of what do we do today in light of the future? It's the same thing that Jesus is wanting us to do with the kingdom. What of the kingdom is here today? What's going to be in the future? And how am I going to live today in light of the future? In light of knowing that there is a future, that there is out there this this coming day with Christ fulfilling everything. How do I live today? What am I going to do? How am I going to let the kingdom operate in my life as I prepare for the future? And it's a balance point that we've got to continually work with. It's a tension that we're going to constantly be dealing with. For Luke, the kingdom of God comes in stages. Some of its blessings come with Jesus. The offer of forgiveness, the initial defeat of Satan, the provision of the Holy Spirit, that all is here. The expression of the kingdom and, its, and his presence at work in the church community that confesses Jesus is a powerful thing. The church now bears a cross, not a sword. We are to be an instrument of service and faithfulness. And one day we will be honored as the bride of Christ. But right now, we have responsibilities. Responsibilities to live as citizens of the kingdom. Even though we're citizens of the kingdom here, one day we will be citizens in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. 
Look, every moment until the Lord returns is an opportunity for us to be God in changing the destiny of someone who does not yet know him. God is delaying the day of judgment, being patient with people, allowing time for others to come to him as we see in 2 Peter 3.9 that God is patient. Thus, moments that remain, the time that we have, should motivate us as individuals and as a church to be the vessel through which God works to see others come to know and experience the grace of God. Over the next five weeks, we're going to take a look at different aspects of the kingdom. Now, obviously, we're not going to get through everything about the kingdom in in the next five weeks. But just about everything in the kingdom is opposite of what you would naturally think. God's ways are not our ways. And today we looked at the kingdom is already here, but is not yet complete. We will live in that tension until Jesus returns. We also saw in the passage today that Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you let your life go, you will save it. That doesn't make any natural sense. Because there's a desire in all of us to live. But the way of the kingdom is to lay down our lives, not to try and save them so that we will do what he wants us to do. And we'll actually save them by laying them down. It's an upside-down thought. It's a a backwards thought. And yet, as we continue to walk through the next five weeks, and even beyond, my encouragement to each of us is to do what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 6.33, which we started with a song that really puts that thought in mind, that we will seek him first. Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Look, Jesus' instruction to us is to be on guard. Stay alert. Do not... Get comfortable. Do not get careless. Stay active. Stay alert. Be on guard. And seek his kingdom first. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your word. Pray, Lord, that you would speak into every one of our lives the very thoughts that you have. God, that you would accomplish your work in each of us. And God, that you would accomplish your work in our church. And Lord, we would do the work that you've called us to do. And God, I'm praying that we will be a church that is one focus. Lord, your kingdom. Seeking first your kingdom. Living righteously. Lord, that we be praying the prayer constantly. You instructed your disciples to pray. Let your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray for anybody in this place this morning that struggles with following you. I pray, God, that you would enable them to hear your voice and respond. And once for all time, begin a relationship with you that they would not back away from. Lord, I pray as we enter into this new year, God, that we will look at 
your kingdom. We would recognize your kingdom's work here. We would seek first your kingdom. Lord, that we would commit ourselves to laying our lives down for your kingdom. For your work. For what you want to do. Lord, help us. have your way in these moments you have left. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name.